shopping today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Hotel Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to 90210 So, Beverly Hills 90210 Podcast Retrospective Series. I am JT, and joining me as always on this journey is my partner Tim. Tim, how are you? Uh, real good. You know, we've um, had our pe- President's Day uh, extravaganza, <laughs> yes. and now it's it's back to business as usual here on 90210 So. Um, we got uh, another great guest here. We thought it might just be the two of us, JT, but mm. um, really... Um, you know, stepping up to the plate here on very short notice. Who we got? Yeah, off the bench, uh, original guest uh, we did not uh, we're not able to get a hold of before recording. So our buddy Marcus Fuller, uh, he of course you hear him across the North South Connection in uh, multiple forums, and one is my co-host on WWE War. But uh, Mr. Marcus, it's great to have you back as a returning guest here on 90210. So. Hey, thanks for having me, and I'm ready to uh, limp up to the plate and uh, smash one over the fence. All right, we're excited to have you do so. And if you're new here, or uh, you know, you joined us on our last episode, like uh, Tim mentioned, the President's Day extravaganza, and you're coming back after hearing that, welcome back. As we usually mentioned, if you are interested in joining us as for a guest spot, we are booked out a little bit, but happy to add you to the list. Uh, so just reach out to us and let us know if you'd like to join us on this journey as we are moving our way through season one, Tim. Uh, I've told anyone and everyone that'll listen, what you always tell me is that if we get through season one, we've accomplished something. And that's our goal <laughs> to get through season one. And then we yeah. can feel like we're really start running downhill. Yeah, that's that's kind of been my motto, too. As long as we can get through this first season, which we thought, would, honestly, you and I, I believe, thought mm-hmm. this would be more of a struggle than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, just nobody's fondest memories of the show really come from this first season. So we thought it might be a little bit of a slog, but it's been a pleasant surprise for the most part. Um, I will say, and, and this goes back to something uh, from the, the our, our private messages earlier, um, like it's kind of a tale of, of two seasons where you'll get like a heavy hitter in one episode. It's like, oh, yeah, wow, they they really uh, hit on a lot of topics that'll be really formative to the show in this one. I'm, I'm surprised to see that happen so early. And then you'll get like the kind of very one-off, very episodic, just... I don't want to say throwaway, but but nothing too, too exciting happening or memorable. And um, they sort of alternate that pattern, mm-hmm. it seems like, uh, especially in this the second half of the season. Yeah, it feels like they didn't want to like drop too much heavy storyline development. They wanted to still keep it not full soap opera. Like it still is a little bit of the, you know, teenage problem of the week type thing um, mixed in. There is, there has been a lot of development and some very heavy topics, but uh, you still get kind of episodes like this that are almost feel like a little, I don't say comic relief, but as comic mm-hmm. relief as like the show gets where it just tries to give you a little break. Uh, you get some character development, but not a lot of like major story development. And this was a heavy, like, I think it was a heavy episode from a pure Walsh twins character development mm. episode. So we don't really get much of anyone else or anything else. Everyone else is pretty much like a backup character in this episode, as we'll see. Uh, but the Walshes definitely show some different perspectives and uh, journeys throughout this episode. Uh, Marcus, any thoughts before we get started? 
No, that's that was my feeling watching this episode uh, before we really jump in. Um, it, and I don't have a ton of context as I don't know where all the storylines and character development uh, is really going. But um, for what I thought felt like a self-contained episode, uh, it, it took me on a ride. So I'm excited to uh, jump into it. All right. Well, this is season one, episode 16. Fame is where you find it. Aired February 28th, 19. 19- 91. So let's go ahead and dive in. We open uh, with, I guess, some, uh, you know, beefcake calendar type stuff. As Brandon is playing roller hockey at the playground, he's showing off his moves. <laughs> wow. He's uh, twisting and turning and skating backwards and sideways. And we look off to the side and there's a picnic. A family runs off and they leave uh, all their belongings on a picnic table. A guy comes in, he's wearing a trench coat, looking ominous, uh, kind of stalking them from a tree. And then he runs over and grabs a purse. And he starts rifling through the purse and a woman comes over and calls him out for it. She's like, stop right there, Kirk. And she's threatens to turn him in. And he's like, yeah, I could do shit. He pulls a knife and <laughs> she immediately starts giving him crap. She's like, you're not going to do anything. And like at this point, you're kind of like, what's going on? Uh, but I, I think it was pretty telegraphed. We zoom out and we're watching mm-hmm. a TV show being filmed in the park uh, for the hit show. Keep it together. So I thought it was well done tease at first, but the guy was like too overly dramatic of a creeper. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, the girl like coming right at this dude with a knife was pretty obvious that it wasn't real. But it was just enough of a tease where you could imagine the premise was not going to be what it is. And maybe it was like Brandon saves this woman in distress like that. It felt like that's where it was headed for a minute, um, that she was going to have a knife pulled on her and he was going to come over and run the guy off. That's what I was expecting at first. <laughs> Could have been more of a dramatic setup for sure, uh, depending on how um, this episode was going to go. But yeah, I, I agree with you that they really frame this in such a way that it, it makes it pretty obvious from the jump that they're filming a movie or TV TV show or something. I mean, mm-hmm. when you see the guy creeping from behind the tree and he's dressed like Christian Slater's character in Heather's, it's it's already <laughs> a bit much. Um And then just goes from there. I thought that Brandon was actually like at first um, picking up garbage or or emptying trash at a public park or something. I'm like, oh, is he doing community service as part of like his restitution for his (laughs) DUI? Still on the DUI punishment. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the DUI thing. Yeah, yeah. It'll never be mentioned again. (laughs) I'll just have to resign myself to that fact. Marcus, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was all in on this opening scene. I thought it was great, and uh, they okie doke me for a second. Um, just because I guess the show, still being in season one, and being that it is, like, very early 90s, um, I wasn't sure, like, how how obvious they were trying to make some things. So I was like, why is this guy out in California dressed in a, a trench coat <laughs> in a park? Uh, like, he obviously looks suspicious. But, like, are they trying to really telegraph, like, hey, this guy is suspicious. This is what suspicious people look like uh, to maybe, like, a younger audience. Like, be on the lookout for people who act and, and you know, dress like this. Um, and then <laughs> he pulled out the knife. And I thought Brandon was going to come to the rescue. Mm-hmm. And then the dialogue continues. And it kind of took me out of the scene a bit. And I realized, like, okay, there, there has to be a, a hook coming up here. Um, but, man, the first uh, – 30 30 to 45 seconds like i was i was uh on the edge of my seat i thought i was gonna see uh see some stuff go down but uh was not meant to be 
what is meant to be is Jake, the director, uh, finds out as we're shooting that someone's bailed on him. They're supposed to be a, playing a surfer role as a just kind of an extra. Um, and basically, the PA is pushing that they need a replacement, and we're going to have to pause film and all this other stuff to go find someone. And he's like, look, it's a nothing scene. It's a nothing role. Just get any Jamoke off the street to get in here. And he looks over, and there's Brandon skating around. Um, so they pull him off. And they basically say, hey, do you want to, you know, star in this uh, in this extra role on this hit show? And he's like, well, you know, my sister loves the show. And I mean, whatever. Basically, he's like, you know, the guy's like, you'll get paid for it. And, you know, Brandon's all about raking in the scratch at this point. He'll pay for a new car and everything else he's got going on. So he decides to go ahead and uh, take the role. Um, so from there, he heads into the makeup trailer. He sees the lead actress and she is in there, but he doesn't realize who it is at first. And he's kind of flirting as usual. And so is she, as usual, with Brandon. Uh, he comes in, he's got this ridiculous outfit on, which is his surfer character outfit. It's a pink bandana, this really wild multicolored button down shirt that would make even Mr. Renzi blush and Zuba's pants. And uh, Brandon says his sister Brenda is the, is the actress in the family. This is her favorite show. Um, and so, you know, basically she would be jealous of what's going on. He kind of craps on it and doesn't think it's much. He said he used to like it and it's kind of gotten stupid. And then as he's saying it, he realizes the person who's been doing his makeup since he got in the trailer is actually Lydia Leeds, the actress, uh, the lead actress of the show. So uh, what'd you think of this, Marcus, him taking the gig and then running into Lydia in the makeup trailer? Um, it, it, I guess the, the the assistant lady uh, answered my questions because my first question was like, don't you have to be part of SAG before like you start shooting anything? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> True, yeah. They, they addressed that right away. Uh, so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and, and as far as Brandon's attire, um, he looked like, um, I guess, maybe an early influence for uh, the Bash Brothers from uh, the Mighty Ducks <laughs> <laughs> movies. Uh, just the way he was dressed, it was kind of ridiculous. And uh, I guess I had an offshoot question um, mm-hmm. was – like I guess roller, I guess roller hockey, roller blading. Like was that that big of a thing in the early '90s, or like were they ahead of the curve? Um, I feel like it was maybe just starting to catch on in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Like when was like California Girls and all that? Like uh, David Lee right. Roth, aren't they all rollerblading in that video and everything else? Um, and even like, yeah, I mean the roller skating was big in the '80s. I feel like rollerblading was starting. Because okay. even the yeah. Seinfeld where Kramer goes to California and he's rollerblading. And I think that's like season three, which would be like 91. So maybe like on the West Coast, it's starting to catch on. It's like a thing. So maybe it's a little ahead of the game. But OK, it just took a couple of years to uh, transfer over to the East Coast. Uh, but the chemistry that they have in the uh, in the makeup trailer, uh, like I thought she was going to sit on his face right there. Uh, it, it looked like it was going to be on. Um, and I was like, here we go. Like Brandon, the perpetual, uh, I guess teen heartthrob, like is going to score again. Um, but we'll, we'll see, uh, how that develops as the show goes on. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I also picked up on the, the, uh, non SAG, um, actor that, that is apparently being, uh, brought onto set here, which, um, I got to figure it's a big no-no for a major production like this. It's it's just really funny that that's her first question. And then there's, are you, are you a SAG member? And then there's um, no talk of money, no talk of contracts, just eh, do this little bit part, see if you're anything. Um, so that, that was, I don't know. It took me out of it a little bit, but that's, 
I'm sure people aren't thinking about these things in the early 90s um, watching the show. But uh, Brandon, yeah, and this uh, crazy ensemble that they've they've done him up in. Uh, it's just fun to see uh, Jason Priestley, especially in this show um, at this point and it's run really playing against type. Uh, even if it's just for a few lines, just a couple scenes like this. Um, I just like seeing him step out of the Brandon Walsh character, which is going to become so iconic for him. But um, I would agree with Marcus instant chemistry here in the trailer uh, with Lydia Leeds, a great alliterative name there. Uh, <laughs> and lead actress. lead actress. Yeah. <laughs> right. Really on the nose. So California Girls, the David Lee Roth version, came out in 85. Um, I may have to rewatch the video. Like, I don't remember if there was rollerblading. I seem to remember some girls on some sort of skates. Um, but I have to check back to uh, confirm. But So it could have been as early as that if it's true. I'll have, to, I'll have to look back. But I know at least Kramer's rollerblading in that Seinfeld. So it's a thing. Yeah, I know that um, like in Melrose Place, season one especially, there was – for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking of like there was a good bit of rollerblading in that, and that started in '92, right. uh, so just that summer. So you figure maybe they're a little bit ahead of a, the curve, but it would have been a thing, and probably just like Marcus said, it took a while to get uh, exported out to the East Coast. Yeah, I'm looking through the video now. I don't see any rollerblading. I I think what I'm thinking of is when Kramer is rollerblading on Seinfeld, they're playing that song. <laughs> I think is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I think it's where I got mixed up with because I know he comes rollerblading down and uh, the, and they're playing that song. So <laughs> it's gonna be what I'm thinking of. Uh, so anyway, director Jake gives Brandon some direction. We're up and running, and Brandon crushes the scene in one take. Everyone's pumped. And Jake tells Brandon he's as good as Sean ever was. And we will learn mm. more about Sean shortly. And the assistant says, well, even the princess likes him. And that is Lydia, who's fawning over Brandon off camera now after they wrap the scene. Brandon's back home with his family. And Brenda's immediately jealous as Brandon's telling the story. As he's going over what happened, the production office calls for him. And Brandon says they're offering him a part in the show. Brenda is completely shook by this. Like, what the hell? Like, how are you lucking into this? I, I want to be an actress. It takes a lot of work. She calls Kelly to bitch that Brandon gets all the luck, all the, you know, everything always happens for him and nothing for me. And they're even writing all new scenes for him. He's going to be a new star on this show. And Kelly also drops in here that she knows Lydia from the fifth grade. So there's a little tie in, of course, Beverly Hills, all these rich kids have, uh, you know, ties together. So she gives a little insight into uh, having grown up with Lydia and that they're not friends anymore. So she kind of indirectly hints that there's been some issues between the two of them. Uh, so, Tim, anything you gleaned out here before we start picking up business? Uh, really just that last part with Kelly talking about her history with Lydia. I always just enjoy those, those little scenes that the show gives us. And it's really just in breadcrumbs where they, mm -hmm. they'll throw you a little morsel, like the, just the idea that these characters all had lives before the Walsh's showed up. Um, and I just, I just appreciate that from like a, I don't know, like a world building standpoint, just that they do have a past and there actually has been some thought put into these these characters um and this sort of fictionalized version of beverly hills um you know we get that throughout the show like she mentions um you know dylan kind of growing up with them but being mm -hmm. an outsider and she always had a crush on him and this is somebody who maybe used to be in their circle and isn't anymore um i think this for even in this first season they've they've done a good job of that yeah and, and this establishes as well that Brenda has acting 
aspiration. Mm-hmm. So already we're, we're getting hints of what the conflict, the character conflict is really going to be in this episode. Um, it, it's going to be another one dealing with sibling rivalry here between Brenda and Brandon. But also, like you said, they shed some light and foreshadowing on what will become a major piece of Brenda's character uh, going forward is the acting stuff. So this is a big character development stuff um, long term. Marcus, anything on these couple scenes? Uh, No, just exactly what Tim said. It was cool that uh, they went back and kind of set the table for uh, how all these characters are connected before the Walshes got there. I thought that was pretty neat. And um, just like, hey, uh, the Walshes don't know everything. (laughs) Um, And uh, it just... I thought an uh, informative scene and uh, just good connecting all those dots ahead of time. And also uh, I did pick up on the sibling rival rivalry theme as well. Uh, and now I'm thinking that I might be part of the problem because this is uh, my second episode that I'm covering <laughs> and the second episode that we have a sibling rivalry. All right. We'll see if this one escalates. Brandon asked Brenda for a big favor. He asked if she'll cover at the peach pit while he is acting because he can trust her and she'll give him his job back after and uh, she know you know he knows that he can basically trust her to fill in and not screw it up, but she's not feeling it. She's like already pissed about him getting this job, and now he wants her to go, uh, you know, basically sling food to ungrateful people. Is kind of what she says. Like, you know, Brandon's working hard to sell the job on her. Right? He's like, it's a great job, you'll do fine. And she's basically like, well, look, you're always bitching about this job. You come home exhausted, and you're always complaining. And he's like, no, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, he's he's working it. Uh, he says he can get Nat to hire her, but she will not give in. Brenda then says, big news, by the way, Sean Judson is leaving the show over a salary dispute. So this is a chance, Brandon. This could be permanent. Like, they're looking for someone to fill in for Sean. So Brandon's trying to process that. And Brenda said she wants a trade-off for the gig. And she says, Brandon... Uh, you know, you're going to give me something. What are you going to give me? And Brandon basically offers to give her the top two bathroom drawers in their shared bathroom. So she contemplates and says that's a good start, but she also wants his beloved green shirt after uh, she pushes forward. He gives in. So a lot going on there in that scene. Uh, but then Nat is all in on the deal. He's proud of Brandon for acting. And he's like, I knew you were special. I always saw something in you. You, you know, Nat, it's kind of been hinted at, but not fully yet, but we'll see it as it develops. Like he's kind of a Hollywood guy. Like he's very into that, obviously with the type of restaurant he owns as like kind of a throwback to old Hollywood. So he seems proud of Brandon. Uh, he says they'll hire Brenda and he kind of flirts with her a little bit and she rolls her. She gives like the most dramatic hardcore eye roll ever when Nat kind of gives her like the, you know, what's up, hon? Kind of kind of attitude. She like looks so friggin' aggravated about all this. Uh, Nat says Brandon's career could take off and he says, you better stay grounded. And Brandon, in uh, the words that will come back to bite him, I'm sure, in the end, says, nothing's going to change. I'm always going to be a regular guy from Minnesota. And even gives, like, a little thumbs up and a smile. Um, so, obviously, it was foreshadowing that this is not going to be the case. But, Marcus, would you think it's a sibling banter in the bathroom and then Nat's uh, immediacy to uh, back Brandon? It was it was very nice for her to um... – Nice of Brenda to to take the shift uh, because this whole episode could have been stopped. Uh, She'd just been like, no, I'm not going to take it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'd like to, you know, uh, choose my own adventure there and see where that one goes. Um, But, yeah, the scene at the the pit was cool. Um, I'm picking up on this theme of that, like, other men that seem to be, you know, uh, heading towards the back end of life, uh, you know. They're like kind of living vicariously a bit through Brandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's a honk. He's good looking. He's smart. He's got a job. He's responsible. He's 
uh, you know, got big aspirations, women love them, on and on and on. Um, so that was an, another thing that I picked up on. Um, just, yeah, people living through Brandon. I, I think we're going to get to a point where <laughs> uh, Nat and Big Jim are almost going to come to blows over the right to be Brandon's dad. Because <laughs> um, they are very much into <laughs> living it up through Brandon and being so proud of him as their son or surrogate son. Um, but yeah, good good Nat stuff in this scene. Uh, the eye roll from Brenda is just really a great Shannon Doherty, uh, I think, touch. Um, but now we're getting to see what's going to be another recurring theme of this show which is like brenda's aversion to working i feel like um we always see brandon all throughout high school he's gonna be working at the peach pit even during uh his his summers he's gonna be um you know we're gonna get the beach club in there Mm -hmm. um but brenda for some reason is just like "Mm, that ain't me (laughs) i'm not sort of any of that i gotta (laughs) gotta focus on school or uh taking acting classes or whatever it's gonna be um so she's all jealous now and, and we're seeing what's going to be um, not just a sibling rivalry, but a, a sibling role reversal. So Brenda's got to go to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, d- despite uh, Brandon's, you know, protest that it's, it's really not that bad. Um, the, the tips, you know, are OK. Like, And I'm just thinking that there's no way the tips can be that good at the peach pit. Um, got a place, you know, doesn't serve alcohol as far as we can tell it's got kind of a pretty established older clientele a lot of regulars like then you're not making great tips in a place like that um so it's only going to be for we think a a limited amount of time uh so brenda's understandably not all in on this um i thought that the green t-shirt as part of the bargain that they strike is um is that sort of a 90s thing siblings sharing each other's clothing or just 90s clothing being so unisex that it's just a thing i was gonna say i think that's more what it is i think it was just more shareable because uh-huh. it was like by design it was baggier right so it was probably like a girl wearing like a men's button-down baggy shirt was kind of in yeah. style i guess or like baggy pants like everything was just kind of you know big and comfortable so i'm guessing right. that was part of it I was wondering exactly which green shirt she was referring to, but Mm. we actually do see her wearing it in the next scene at the peach pit. Um, And I was like, okay, yeah, I think I've seen Brandon wear that a time or two. Well, then there's an even better payoff with it to come. So uh, yes, there is. (laughs) All right. So David, uh, we're back at school. David's in the radio studio, radio booth with Brandon. He wants to interview him. He's a big new star. Brandon's like, pump the brakes, buddy. It's like, it's way too soon. I've had one scene. It hasn't even aired. Um, You know, and David said no one else in school. Like, and Brandon says like, like you can interview anyone else. This is Beverly Hills. Like everyone's tied to the business. And he's like, well, no one in school has worked with Lydia. And Brandon's like, well, interview her, not me. And David says, well, can you get her on the show? And he, he thinks about it. And he's like, I'll let you know. So Brandon leaves and David over the loudspeaker dedicates a special song to Brandon. Um, We'll see if we can identify what that was later, but it's it's some kind of gibberish on Paramount plus. So Brandon uh, runs into Stephen Dillon. They're kind of messing with him. All the girls are swarming him in the hallway. They're all, you know, eye banging him as he's walking around. Brandon starts signing autographs outside. 
while Brenda's sitting on uh, a blanket with Kelly and Donna kind of complaining about everything. And they're basically like, you know, just whatever, like, it's fine. Like, it's a big deal. Let them have a big deal. And Brenda's like, well, I wanted to do this. I've always wanted to do stand up. And she starts doing some voice impressions (laughs) and they, they enjoy them. She does like a British voice and then kind of like a, I don't know, I guess a sixties voice. And was there another one in there? She did. It was, it was like two or three. She did. I don't know if you marked it down at all, Tim or not, but. Yeah, there are a few, and they they did seem Donna and Kelly do seem uh, a little bit too impressed with <laughs> with these impressions, like mm. to the point that I'm like, oh, are they just being nice as her friends? Because she's no, they um, seem genuinely the into it. They, yeah, yeah, they, they were they seem they were genuinely laughing. a little too into it. Yeah. Um. So so Brenda's really remarkable with her her voice acting talents here. <laughs> uh, I like the scene with Brandon and David mm-hmm. uh, uh, on the radio on. Just because I don't think we've seen a lot of Brandon and David mm. um, interactions together at this point. They've had a few very brief interactions. And I mean, this is a brief interaction, but it's probably more than we've seen thus far. Uh, right. Because he, Brandon, you'll recall, wasn't a part of the big Palm Springs fling President's Day weekend at the grandparents' house, unfortunately. So um, I like that. I think that what David was playing over the PA was meant to be the theme song of this TV show. I I think that's what it was supposed to be rather than like an actual. Oh, okay. I got you. Uh, Yeah. I didn't, I, I made a point, a mental note to try to like towards the end when they're, when they're actually sitting around the TV watching the show and and we see the opening credits. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember if that was the same, uh, that would make that sense, play. yeah. If he was playing, because it it almost came across like like it was like a yeah, like a like a slow jam or something. It was like kind of weird uh-huh. that David would be playing yeah. like a sexy song for Brandon. Um, so that would make way more sense if it was the theme to the show. Yes, I think that's the idea. Uh, what do you think up to this point, Marcus, uh, with the, uh, the radio booth? Tim, that is some galaxy brain uh, investigation skills. <laughs> um, yeah, I, wouldn't have, I would not have thought to you know try to connect those dots, but that makes a ton of sense. Uh, so nice work there. Um, I really like the scene with uh, Brennan, Brennan and David because like we're not going to see a ton of David in this episode at all, but um, like he really makes his minutes count. Like you know, he's a younger guy, um, but like. It was just a really, I thought, like a really like high quality scene. Um, and yeah, the impressions, it, I, it did seem a little cooked. Like, hey, we're gonna laugh, but then turn up the laugh, like, right, right, to like to twelve. <laughs> but I'm also thinking like, okay, these are, these are like you know a group of girls, uh, you know, young girls. So like they probably do find this to be hilarious, and like I guess impressions were. <laughs> probably like a a bigger part of uh uh i guess intermingling in pop culture then so uh overall i thought everything everything was fine advanced uh advanced the storylines well so brandon uh, dave coulier is very big in in 1991 (laughs) (laughs) so brandon again vows uh, to the girls that he'll stay grounded and right as he's saying that, in pops our old friend Scott Scanlon, the Kool-Aid man of Beverly Hills, who uh, pops in for one-liners every now and then. And he sticks his head in and says, hey, Brandon, your limo's here. Um, I don't know how he knows or why he's involved, but he lets him know. Um, so Brandon basically says, hey, Brenda, take my stuff. I'm going to the limo. So he leaves all his crap with Brenda and heads off where Lydia awaits to uh, give him a ride to the studio. 
So we hopped in the limo. We cut over to the set where Lydia gets a uh, kind of piled on, I guess, by some fans and signs some autographs. And, you know, Brandon says, basically, like, do you ever get tired of this? And she says, no, you know, she, she doesn't mind. Uh, she also gives her limo driver instructions to go feed her six week old puppy. So I don't know why limo drivers do that. Unless it's meant to be her like dedicated hired help. Maybe it's more like a driver, I guess, than a, more like a happy versus like a straight limo driver. Mm-hmm. But um, so Brandon also uh, gets an autograph request and Lydia tells Brandon, like, this is a big break for you. Sean is leaving and Brandon's shocked. He's like, I thought you had to work for this. I didn't think it was this easy. And she says, sometimes you're just, you know, in the right place at the right time. And she doesn't make a habit just giving anyone a ride to set. So basically telling them, like, you're going to be a big deal and they got some thoughts for you and I got some thoughts for you. So Jake is setting up the next scene, which is going to feature Brandon and Lydia in a bedroom having to make out. And we get like, you know, 30 takes of this. So they, they nail the scene the first time. It's uh, super hot, just like Jake wanted. He's getting horny while he's directing. And he's like, all right, do it again, do it again, do it again. And um, they hit it every time. They get a couple outtakes mixed in, lots of making out. Lydia's clearly feeling herself uh, around Brandon. His confidence is growing. Um, Marcus, what'd you think? What'd you think of all the... Uh, making out here between Brandon and Lydia. Probably not all that's growing to Brandon's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was a pretty pretty uh, hot and intense scene. And um, yeah, um, I thought the uh, the scene earlier where uh, Lydia is leaving the limousine and she's telling the, the driver to like go take care of her puppy. Uh, I think that was supposed to be like a device to make her seem a bit like Hollywood and pretentious. Mm-hmm. But I think think that's one of those things where like even if, as so much as like maybe five or ten years ago it would still be viewed as pretentious but like now like everybody has decided that like oh we love dogs of all kinds <laughs> right, right small uh you know the, the pocket sized dogs the big dogs doesn't matter so um i think now that would like baby face her up <laughs> and not uh, not really serve the same purpose um but yeah um lots of making out uh, it it definitely got uh, the director horny <laughs> and uh, started to be start be uh, a little weird. Uh, everybody, all these grown adults watching these uh, high school kids make out. <laughs> True, and I don't know like For if sure. like yeah. I mean I wasn't a teenage girl obviously in 1991, but I got to imagine there were a lot of teenage girls pissed off at this actress playing Lydia Leeds that got to make out with, with Jason Priestley over and over um, for 20 mm-hmm. minutes in the scene here. Yeah, they're really rubbing it in, huh? just having to do this take over and over and over. Um, and I will say this this whole storyline for Brandon is very sort of threatening to his everyman status as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I guess the idea is that like even a kid off the street can be a somebody in Beverly Hills. Like they're trying right. to get that across. And, and can get swept it's up in be, it too. Yeah, and, and, and get swept up in it at the same time. And, and clearly we know like we're not stupid. This is going to be a very temporary status for him mm-hmm. um and i will say that i i like that this lydia character um is a little bit of a diva is a little bit pretentious but you know what she sort of enjoys this lifestyle and that's okay brandon's like okay with it she's like oh you're still a cool chick like i was i was so thinking they'd go in the very cliche direction of uh you know hollywood's not all it's cracked up to be you know <laughs> right, right. It's, it's like you know she's really this broken shattered person like we've seen a lot of characters like that on the show already even the kids who mm-hmm. 
have this this glamorous lifestyle, but secretly, you know, it, it, their home life behind the scenes is just a shambles, right? And um, I'm glad they didn't go there or do a version do a version of that with this um, actress character. So. Uh, yeah, she basically right. acts like it's great. Like, yes, like I'm mean, a star. I get all this stuff, and they still keep her semi grounded, right? A little bit, yes. like she's kind of aware, yes. but she's also aware in a way that she's taking full advantage of it. So mm-hmm. she's not trying to change the world <laughs> anyway. No, certainly not. All right, so we go back to the Walsh house, and Brandon is is full on in his bag. He's bragging it up. He's a natural. The shooting schedule is complicated. Uh, it's you know it's it's tricky. You got to do this at night, and you shoot out of order. And uh, but he he's basically saying like they love me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a star. And he's gonna head out to a big networking event, is what he calls it. Uh, even though Jim basically says you're going to a party, and he says I don't think you should do this at a school night. You got homework. You got you got shooting. And Brandon talks him through it. He's like, look, you know I'm fine. There's even a teacher on set. Uh, and he says the teacher is writing a spec script for Twin Peaks, um, this teacher that's on set of the show to help with the kids. But he kind of just gets Jim to give in. And like you mentioned, Marcus, you know, it's kind of a living vicariously thing. Like, I don't think it almost felt like Jim was going through the motions of being a dad and really wanted Brandon to go to this party uh, mm-hmm. to be a, an elite. Right. And it's just kind of like he felt like he had as a father had to try and pretend like he had to throw the throw the law down. Yeah. And like. With uh, each question um, that like Jim is throwing his way, and Brandon has an answer ready for it, Jim just kind of like accepts it at face value. He's like, "Okay, well, yeah, I, you know, I tried. Uh, everything seems good here. Nothing to to look at. It seems like everything's handled. So, you know, I'll just let my uh, teenage son go out <laughs> these Hollywood parties, which, um, like." I think by now in the early 90s, like, we've definitely heard of, like, you know, Drew Barrymore and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on and on and on, like, all these child celebrities. That, uh, and that AIDS. Fall into, and, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> Big AIDS scare time. Yeah, yeah like, there, there's a lot all going back on. To AIDS. <laughs> like, I, I understand it's a TV show and I understand Jim's living uh, through his son, but still, like, there's... There's a uh, a lot of danger out there in those streets uh, to let your, your son uh, be swimming in. Well, look, uh, Jim knows that Brandon succumbed to temptation once, um, you know, got got a little bit um, heavy handed with the bottle. Things got a lot <laughs> of control. He got drunk. He got that DUI uh, that's since gone away. But as long as he's not driving tonight, it seems like he's going to have his transportation provided for then. Jim's not going to sweat it too much, I guess. But no, it's, um, yeah, Brandon's clearly living it up. Um, we established that there is a teacher on set. So even though this this uh, production is using non-union talent, we don't know um, <laughs> what Brandon's getting paid, if anything. We don't know what his, you know, work for hire contract looks like or whatever. Um, they're following some rules, at least. So, so we're getting that established. Um, but uh, yeah, it seems like they're playing a little fast and loose here, but. I don't know. Maybe shows like that did in the early '90s. Maybe this show did. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and this entire episode, it maybe feels a little bit meta, just based on some of the comments that characters are making about the mm-hmm. the show within the show that Brandon is on. Like Brandon even says, like he doesn't like the series that much. He's like, oh yeah, it's just one of those cheesy like teen dramas where every problem is solved just in time for the last <laughs> commercial break. And um apparently it started out uh somewhat more wholesome and now it's gotten sort of more edgy and Brenda's su- super into it. So 
maybe the writers are, are indulging themselves a little bit. Yeah, it did feel a little meta. You're right. Kind of uh-huh. poking fun at what they're doing. Which yeah. I guess they've earned it after this many episodes. <laughs> so Lydia shows up at the Walsh house and pandemonium immediately breaks out. Brenda's upstairs, so she's not there. Cindy runs to get the camera. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get the camera. She takes off. And when Brandon kind of, you know, Brandon's playing it cool upstairs and Brandon's kind of talking about Lydia. And then he says, well, why don't you go meet her yourself? And she's like, what do you mean? She's here. And immediately freaks out. She's like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And she runs down there to meet her. And we see Jim chatting it up with Lydia, of course, playing it cool. Uh, Cindy's like frantically searching for film for the camera. You hear her off, off screen yelling about the film. And Jim finds out they have a mutual contact. Somebody used to work with. Uh, or somebody who works with used to be manager, I guess, for Lydia or money person for Lydia, something like that. Uh, Brenda then mentions Kelly and Donna to Lydia. She's like, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Kelly Taylor and Donna Martin. And she kind of big times her. She's like, I don't. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And the whole thing is real awkward. Like Lydia is kind of shitty to Brenda, like about her, her aspirations. And, you know, Brenda mentions that she did some acting in Romeo, Romeo and Juliet and, um, you know, basically reveals that she meant in school, not like any kind of major production. And Lydia is kind of just like, whatever, like I'm a star. You're not get out of my face type of attitude. Brandon comes downstairs and now he's wearing the green shirt and Brenda glares at him. And Brandon's kind of like, oh, what do you want me to do? Like, like I got to look good. This is my best shirt. And they head off. So I, I, I thought this is a pretty good scene. Um, it definitely gives some insight into, into maybe what's to come with Lydia that, Maybe this is a bit of a facade and she's really not that nice of a person and could be playing Brandon a bit because she's just treats Brenda like shit immediately. Um, And I really, really like the payoff of the green shirt. I thought that was really funny. The green shirt payoff is so good. I must want to include it in our character rankings for this. one. (laughs) (laughs) That callback is so good. Um, So, yeah, we, we do get to see this other side to Lydia where she is kind of shitty to to brenda and the family and is more of more of the uh starlet but um i mean at the same time they are being kind of annoying <laughs> um you get the sense that on on the one hand she's maybe eating this up like all these mm-hmm. people fawning all over her and on the other she just kind of wants to get out of here she's in a hurry to go to this the shindig and you know she's having to stand around awkwardly waiting on brandon so you're still not like totally turned off by her but you can you can tell like um well maybe there is something more going on here and brandon is a bit starstruck without realizing it yeah and i don't think it helped that uh jim introduced brenda as uh brandon's better half because i was like that's kind of weird uh like verbiage to use especially if like you're talking to another teenager like i would think (laughs) that sister (laughs) right i'm like that's that's, that's a sister. I would I wouldn't have thought that. Um, so I was like, maybe that's why Lydia's kind of uh, you know he- healing up on Brenda a bit. But also like, uh, yeah, it is it is showing like this other side of her that you know she is a um, a, a bit unapproachable. Um, she's not always uh, friendly as as Brandon saw. Uh, you know her being with fans earlier. Uh, tremendous callback to the green shirt. Um, feel like the green shirt is worthy of uh, <laughs> a spot in the character development. And um, I just feel like, yeah, Lydia's ready to, uh, you know, go do some coke or something at this party because <laughs> she seems to be uh, her scene. All right. So this is kind of now where we hit the peak and the turning point. We have a, a back and forth series of scenes. And this is really where 
both of these characters cross in the night. So Brenda's kind of hits her lowest and Brandon hits his highest before we flip for the back end of the episode. Uh, but Brenda's struggling at the peach pit. She's screwing up the order. She's messing up instructions. Nat's like trying to remain positive and pushing her, but she's just a complete disaster. She spills soup all over a customer uh, and is like just basically having a nervous breakdown. As that's going on, we cut to Brandon and Lydia. They arrive at this party that's loaded with stars, and he's a little starstruck. He's like, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And, you know, Lydia's kind of talking some shit on everyone, like, oh, this person's this, or this person's that. Uh, we meet her friend Mackenzie, who's kind of a bitch to Lydia, and tells Brandon, you know, enjoy being the flavor of the month while it lasts. And Brandon asks, like, do you like anyone here? Uh, and, you know, she kind of laughs it off, and she says she likes him. And he says, well, he hopes he didn't come off as an amateur today and says it was weird kissing in front of all those people. And, you know, Lydia says, look, you were, you know, whatever. You were a good kisser. It's good. You were fine. And says, you know, she wants to be respected and satisfied with herself as a person when this all ends. And then she jokes that her publicist wrote it. So when Brandon's kind of in awe, uh, we come back and Brenda's still a mess. She's picking up bags of trash, like trash. And then the bags rip and all the trash goes all mm. over the floor. And it looks like she's about to snap. I think if Nat walked in at that point, she might have stabbed him with like a knife or an ice pick or something because <laughs> he came to the door. Because she is at the end of her rope. Uh, we then cut to Brandon and Lydia. They're slow dancing at a party. And they're, they're, this is like a weird scene because you can kind of hear what they're saying, but the music was drowning them out. I don't know if that was by design or just the dub was screwed up. Um, because Lydia's talking about coming to watch Brandon play hockey. He says he plays every Sunday. But I didn't know if he meant like he played by himself at the park every Sunday. Like it was just weird because that's what mm. we've seen. Mm. Um, so as that's happening, in comes Big Sean, shows up at the party, and Mackenzie's in the background. He kind of points out Lydia to Sean. Lydia sees him and then turns Brandon around and starts to make out with him as Sean looks on. So a lot's coming to light here. I think we see a lot of Lydia. Um, you know, this is where you get the vibe that she's really using Brandon just just to screw with Sean a little bit. You also get the vibe there's a lot of back backstabbing, I guess, in, in this little industry, uh, these teens. And, um, you know, I think the line about the publicist was meant to both be a, a, a funny line, a joke, but also to maybe be a sign of like, she's not really that deep. <laughs> like like mm -hmm, the publicist mm -hmm. did write it. And um, I thought the Brenda stuff was all really well done. You can really feel her frustration, Marcus. Uh, yeah. Uh, going forward a little bit, the, the, the party, uh, the party scene was like really good. And, and it did a good job of like furthering showcasing that, like, yeah, this, this Lydia girl, she's not, you know, um, girl next door. She was, you know, kind of presented earlier, uh, you know, with her head in the clouds, but her feet on the ground. Um, you know, she's maybe a little bit more Hollywood than, uh, what she let on, but, uh, going back to the pit and Brenda, um, <laughs> that was the high point of the whole show for me. Uh, just seeing her frustration mm -hmm. and the confidence that she tried to fill herself with, but like really she's just drowning in like self doubt and doubting her ability. And, uh, you know, the anxiety is getting to her. And of course, like she pulls herself together. She gives herself a little pep talk and <laughs> she spills the soup and the water. I absolutely <laughs> lost it. Uh, that was like a full 10 out of 10 scene for me. Um, that's my favorite thing I've seen on the show so far. I I lost it. Um, just tremendous acting there. Uh, so re two really good scenes, like back to back. Uh, yeah, I, I gasped. I actually gasped when that guy got doused in the soup. <laughs> um, 
It's one thing to have a server, like, spill water or a drink on you, like, a little bit. But she, like, everything she's carrying, she just wipes out and it just goes right on that dude. <laughs> it is, it's well, he was bad. kind of a jerk before, too, so it almost he was. <laughs> you weren't too upset about it, you know. Like, he deserved it, yeah. So they, they definitely set him up, like, well, he's going to get his because he's being such an asshole. Right. Um, but, my God, is, has there ever been a worse waitress than brenda walsh here bless her heart just she, she cannot get it together um and that's just cut with uh brenda getting entrenched in the drama here at this uh at this quote-unquote networking event and yeah i mean here's where we see effectively the lydia heel turn where it turns out well i, I guess she is just this phony bitch that people have kind of been thinking she might be. Um, we get the off the set kiss, but it's only at the appearance of this guy, Sean. So it's like, she's just using Brandon as leverage to get back at Sean, maybe to get him back into the show to, to prove how replaceable he is. But uh, Brandon's not savvy to any of this, of course. Uh, but it, it makes love yeah, as usual. Immediately it makes a lot of sense. Love. It makes a lot of sense. And I like that the show is willing to have Lydia be a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a villain. She, I mean, she's not an out and out like conniving, like like um psychopath or anything, but but she is certainly a heel in this scene and then really in the episode. And it's just refreshing to to she see the show's Willingness to uh, actually go there, even with a, a one-off side character like this. Well, Brandon and Brenda are back at the Walsh house. They're fighting. Brenda basically says, I'm quitting. I'm not doing your job anymore. And Brandon's big time in her now. And she says, look, you've changed. Like, your girlfriend's a star. Uh, she's, you know, we all see the tabloid. She's got a new boyfriend every week. You do think you're special. And you're, you've changed. Like, you said you're working to change. You've changed. She says, you want to go party with the Brat Pack while I work your job? That's not going to happen anymore. And Brandon defends Lydia and walks off. And Brandon says again, like, he's changed. Uh, And Brandon says, maybe I have. But he puts on some sunglasses and walks away. So he's definitely feeling the star power of his new career. Uh, We get Brenda bitching again to Don and Kelly about work and being asked about Brandon constantly at school. And she says, like, she has no confidence at all. Like, she just can't do this job. She sucks at it. And she's, you know, basically says, well, are you going to quit? And Brenda says, I'm not going to quit because I will not give Brandon the satisfaction of quitting. Like, I'm not going to let him think he won. And Kelly says something that clicks with her. She says, stop taking it all so seriously. Just figure it out and stop putting so much pressure on yourself, basically. So I thought this was pretty good advice, Tim. I did, too. And I I like that it came from Kelly. Also, it's Mm -hmm. just a little scene. But what we're going to see in the uh, remainder of this episode, where my it's going to go some places, it all kind of sprang from Kelly's suggestion, you know, to not take it so seriously. Just pretend like you're actually good at this job. What would that look like, Brenda? And um, Brenda just runs with it, as we're going to see. We we should also point out that uh, Brenda... Uh, is giving Brandon some grief for mm-hmm. <laughs> reclaiming the shirt. After, yes, yes, in the aftermath of this party. So once again, we are tracking the the drama of this shirt. We must we must see if it continues throughout subsequent episodes. Yeah, we got to keep an eye out for this shirt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, what do you think, Marcus? 
uh, I thought Brandon was a real jerk uh, <laughs> talking to his <laughs> sister like that. And uh, at the end where he kind of puts the exclamation point on it and puts the uh, the sunglasses on, like, man, I want to punch that dude right in the face. Um, you know, it's I thought it was like a good almost like uh, disillusion that he has, uh, you know, that he thinks he's in Hollywood now and uh, he's got this this new girlfriend and, um, you know, he's he's being played and he doesn't even know it yet. Uh, so I thought it was good, uh, you know, kind of like ignorance is bliss uh, aspect for Brandon to go through um, as as we see uh, where that's going to lead pretty soon. Um, and, yeah, like such a tiny throwaway line to Brenda to, you know, not take it so seriously. And if you would have told me like that little line is going to, uh, you know, be the launching pad for what's about to come next for her, like I wouldn't have guessed it. Uh, it's such a it's such like a small seed that was planted. So I thought they did really good there. So Brandon gets a little dose of reality because he gets to the scene or gets to the studio and his lines have changed. His scene has changed and it's been cut down a bit and he starts panicking. Uh, overcomes Lydia and he says, you know, I want to talk about the party. I had a great time. And she's like, look, I got to go. Sean's back. He's he's back on set. They came to an agreement uh, and he missed her. So. I got to go work with her and Brandon kind of light bulb goes on for him and kind of figures out the game that she was using him to just get Sean back on set. And it works because Sean has returned after seeing them making out of the club. We then go back to the peach pit and in comes Brenda in a full 50s style kind of car hop costume. And uh, you know, her character is named Laverne and she's here to take Brenda's shift. Brenda gave up the shift for Laverne. Kelly and Donna come in right behind her and Laverne's hamming it up. Uh, we, the customer, he was pretty loyal, I must say. The guy who got the soup dumped on him is back at the counter, and he is loving the gimmick. He's all smiles. He's yucking it up. Uh, Nat's a little behind. He's a little confused as to what's going on. But Brenda's just crushing it. She's all in, and everyone is shocked as this is playing out. And Nat kind of starts to see the money, the dollar signs, as it's going on. But he's still a little shell-shocked. Laverne keeps calling him Pops as he's walking around. Um Tim, what were your first reactions to when Lydia, I mean, Lydia, when uh, Laverne walks in the peach pit? Uh, probably dread because, because I, I had forgotten that this is a, uh, recurring alter ego for Brenda throughout these first few seasons. And I don't know, I, I think it's, um, maybe a polarizing character. I've, I've never been thrilled with this, uh, Laverne gimmick. But um, I don't know. It's been a few years since I saw it. I, I was a little bit more um, charmed by it this time around. Maybe I did enjoy just seeing the way that Nat played off of her, just how hapless he is, because mm-hmm. it's it's very just different for for Nat, who's like normally all business and yucking it up with uh, with his staff and, and just so good nature. And here he's just he doesn't know what to do with himself. Um but like I said, the Peach Pit, man, it's it's got its regulars. Even after, even after getting doused with soup, this dude is back, you know, sitting right there at the counter. Um, but boy, is he smitten with Lavoine. Just um, I, again, uh, maybe a, a little bit too taken with her in the way that Kelly and Donna were a little bit too impressed with Brenda mm. earlier. <laughs> Um, that's it's almost like I mean he's, he would be begging for her to throw soup on him now like that's how into her yeah. and he like 
it almost feels like maybe his mom was like this. Like, is he so happy mm-hmm. to see this like type of person uh, pop up? He's like really into the show, you know. And this is a guy who literally like the day before, this same person threw soup on his lap, um, is now back here of a glutton looking for more, laughing it off, and he's just yeah. yucking it up, hooting and hollering. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I think maybe that's one of the things that bugs me about Levert. I just, I, I've never understood why. Um, within the show, she's like so over with everybody. Right. It just seems like there'd be somebody to be like, uh, I don't know, this is fucking obnoxious, and just walks out. You know, like a whole bunch of. <laughs> well, it's a theme, I guess. Maybe if you th- if you're going to a '50s style diner, like you kind of want to buy into the entertainment. I guess. Yeah, I guess they've got some in-house entertainment. What what can I say? Um. So anyway, that's that's a big debut. I guess we can consider it. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, Brandon, um, you know, the, the plot continues to thicken there. He, he thinks he's a somebody, but it's just going to show how, how naive he will ultimately, uh, prove Mm -hmm. to be here. And, um, this just makes me wonder, um, or, or or think how commonplace it it must've been for these shows to have these like last minute rewrites based on casting issues, especially again, I emphasize filming, 22 to 32 episodes per season here in the 90s. Mm. Marcus, are are you um are you on the on the Lavoine train? Um I I was impressed. Uh you know, but this is like my first introduction to the character. I didn't know that this is a recurring character. Um I that being said, I can see how um, as 90s shows tend to do, when uh, a certain character got over it, they would, like, overexpose it and then, like, just, like, really hammer it into the ground. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but I can see, like, this kind of character. Um, yeah, just just it a little bit goes a long way, I think, with Laverne. Um, but I get that Laverne is supposed to be, like, this... Uh, 30 something single New Yorker uh, waitress, but um, that is a teenage girl playing her, and just some of her movements and uh, her delivery and her tone and her body language. Oh man, if I saw my daughter like that or my (laughs) sister like that, (laughs) um, Laverne's getting yanked right out of the restaurant. Um, (laughs) There's absolutely no way. I don't care what kind of tips are coming in. Especially with the soup dog, uh, you know, all over. (laughs) Soup dog. She uh, she gooses Matt. She gooses Nat in one scene. (laughs) Like I guess it's better than him doing it to her, but (laughs) right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, questionable at best. All right. Well, look, Brandon has also lost his confidence. <clears throat> That's questionable, too. Uh, he keeps screwing up during the shoot, and we get a good role reversal here. You know, Brandon's crushing it now at the Peach Pit, and Brandon is on the mm. struggle bus. Uh, Sean's in the scene now, and he, so Brandon's about to make out with Lydia, and the new scene calls for Sean to come in. They call him Cheesemeister, which is about as <laughs> 90s as a as a comment as it gets. Uh, I was like, gotcha. Like, I, I thought this was supposed to be kind of not like a goofy show, like Cheesemeister. Um, and he throws water at him. He throws a cup of water at him. And Brandon's all 
fucked up. I mean, he's like all screwed up. He doesn't know what to do. Lydia's starting to get snarky with him for screwing up the scene. And she's kind of backing up Sean now. And Jake is kind of pissed that they're burning film. And Brandon tr- starts to become indignant. Uh, I thought we were going to get full on like walk out Brandon, like yelling at everyone. But he kind of backs down and just kind of takes it. And Jake says, you know what? We need more splash. And so we get a cut where Sean dumps an entire pitcher of water all over Brandon. He's soaking wet. Everyone's laughing at him. Uh, Things are just completely unraveling for him. We cut back to the peach pit. Laverne's got things hopping. Everyone's having a blast. She's crushing it. Steve and Dylan come in. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And of course, Dylan's supporting his girl. So he's uh, playing into everything going on. He's, he's giving her some material. Uh, Nat's all in on the gimmick. The money's flowing in. He's flirting with everyone. Like everyone's feeling good. This is the busiest of peach pits been since we've seen this show. Uh, then we go back. Brandon is still a mess. He's soaking wet. He's screwing up the scenes. Sean keeps crapping on him. Jake, Blames Lydia, basically, uh, for bringing this guy on. Like, it's your fault. <clears throat> and then Sean says, get him some idiot cards. Brandon, you know, gets all in Jake's grill and then stands down. So, again, he's, you know, it felt like he was about to snap, mm. but he doesn't. So, Marcus, what do you think of these handful of scenes before we get to the big Laverne scene here? Uh, I thought it was kind of cool character development for Brandon because um, going back to uh, the first episode that I was on, uh, where they were doing like the twins test and Brandon mm-hmm. got upset and like, I guess it dug into like his insecurity where like he's not perfect. And when he's not preferred, uh, you know, he, he definitely doesn't like that and he can be explosive and he can leave um, and take that like really personally. And here he is uh, thinking, you know, he's hot stuff and uh, he's got this, this guy, you know, her boyfriend's back and he's in trouble Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's being embarrassed over and over again. And it's not only like the act of him being embarrassed, but now his own performance uh, is being criticized and he's losing the girl at the same time. And again, like who knows what he's being paid or isn't being paid and, you know, what he's missing. And um, I think Brandon of, you know, a couple episodes ago would have left. Uh, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't stay around for that kind of treatment, but I think I've seen a bit of character development with Brandon that, you know, he's going to stay in and he's going to try to make the best of it and he's going to take his medicine, uh, and, uh, he's going to learn like the taste of it. Mm. Yeah. You know what? If anything, I think that, uh, Brandon stuck through it here and, and didn't fall back on his, um, instinct to get really indignant and chew everybody out in the room, mm-hmm. uh, like in the... <laughs> I forgot that Marcus, your your first episode was the twins test. You're such a dick um, with, with Cindy and her emotional affair with Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's completely absurd. Um, but I, I I would I would submit that uh, so Brandon has been really built up. Like uh, he he's always had sort of a healthy confidence about him, right? But now. Mm-hmm he's getting that that real ego boost by all this attention and all the accolades and the praise that's been heaped upon him for doing the show. And he's, oh, he's such a natural. So he sort of had a higher high <laughs> to come down from than he ordinarily would have. So uh, if we're just talking about plain old ordinary Brandon, then that he probably snaps a lot sooner. But um, here he's, he's just kind of getting put back in his place, so to speak. And you have to imagine this is going to make for a long day, this shoot with the, with the water. And, you know, every time they have to do a new take, that's like a new setup with wardrobe and hair and makeup and everything. Like 
God, I can't imagine how long this took. Um, and we only see like a handful of takes in what has to be a lot more from this, you know, little montage they do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in an episode that presents us with a role reversal, we're getting a double role reversal now with, um, Brandon mm-hmm. now, now biffing it big time while, uh, Brenda is just cleaning up. As Levine. Yep. She's, she's riding that high at the peach pit. And, um, she's only, I mean, talk about, um, being on a, on a high and, and, uh, getting gassed up here, but, uh, she's, she's only really at the tip of the iceberg. Now she's going to go a lot higher here before all is said and done. So Laverne, Kelly and Donna are at the peach pit now putting on a show that performing to it's my party. And we actually got this song in, in full in the episode. Uh, I was expecting it to be, to be cut out on streaming, but here we go. So it's my party's blasting at the peach pit. Laverne's leading the move. Everyone's going crazy. What a show. It's like, this felt like one of those things where you had to be there and, and experience this moment to tell your kids years later, you know, that you were at the peach pit on this magical night when Laverne put on this show and everyone's dancing. Everyone's yucking it up. Brandon comes in and there's Andrea in line and she goes, I've been waiting for 20 minutes. And he's so mad about everything else. He just assumes that Brenda's fucking up everything. He's like, oh, <laughs> the service is this bad? Yeah. Like, that's what he just assumes, the worst, of course. And she's like, no, it's entertaining. And then he kind of looks up and sees what's going on. Everyone's grooving. And even Brandon starts to dig it a little bit. He kind of smirks. He comes over. He asks Nat, what'd you do to my sister? And Laverne comes over and gives Brandon some ribbing. And she says, oh, we got a big star in our presence. And they don't know what Vince Russo apparently is doing. Uh, they, do a peach, <laughs> they do a peach pit welcome, uh, which apparently they've learned tonight, too. This has been a busy night. All, all these people have been here apparently the whole evening. Uh, she goes, let's give a big peach pit welcome. And they all do this, like, wiggling finger <laughs> noise or whatever, um, which I didn't really get. Uh, but so, like. Like, Laverne has completely transformed this whole friggin' place. And um, Brandon's shocked. Everyone's shocked. Brandon comes over. He fills the gang on what's going on. And they're all hyping him up. They're all Team Brandon right now. Andrea's like, I want a news story on a behind-the-scenes profile. And Brandon's like, forget it. That's not going to happen. And Steve says, well, forget that. Yeah, you should hold out for money. Do a story with the Inquirer instead. And Dylan (laughs) says, you know, you could write about your life with Laverne. That would be interesting as well. And Brandon just kind of walks off, and we get the little weird, like, audio edits of everyone saying, what's wrong with him? Is he okay? <laughs> he walks away. <laughs> yeah. And then Andrea goes to check on him. Um, so lots going on here at the Peach Pit, Tim. Uh, what's your what's your breakdown of all this? Oh, God. I always love the, like, bad ADR in these shows. <laughs> like, it reminded me of the fashion show with, with Jackie. They're all going, I think she's on something. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know why that always pops me. Um, so yeah. Okay. So we get our, our Andrea appearance appearance for Mm -hmm. the episode. I don't think we've seen her previously. Um, Dylan and Steve, I guess showed up in the earlier scene, but haven't gotten much of them either. Mm -hmm. At least Andrea seems to clue into the fact that something is eaten at Brandon. Like he, he should be in a much better mood considering what he's coming off of. Um, but he kind of brushes it off. She, she doesn't press the issue. So, it's, I don't know, maybe the rare example of, of Andrea just um, taking the hint and just being the good friend rather than immediately jumping to conclusions and judging Brandon as as she is wont to do 
um, throughout this first season. I mean, he usually deserves it in some form or fashion, but here it's kind of not his fault. Um, so I like that little exchange between them. Uh, boy, the peach pit, uh, I don't know if it's turning over a lot of tables tonight. If these people have been here for hours on end long enough to learn a, right. a bona fide peach pit reading. <laughs> well, so. do they, so do they sell drinks at the peach pit? Cause I didn't know if like people were just drinking. And they, I don't, I've never really seen it's, alcohol there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've never seen milkshakes, alcohol. I guess people just order milkshakes in the background. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you figure, I don't know. I've always thought of the peach pit as like, this is probably not a good frame of reference, but like a glorified friendlies, basically. Like right. It just, yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe like, I don't know, Johnny Rockets. Um, yeah, I think it's a good comp because it's more like yeah. the throwback, right? A&W, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I even think it's, isn't that like the thing when the Peach Pit After Dark starts? It's like, right. okay, this is now a club. You can get drinks. Um, right, right. Which you And they had to like get a liquor license and all this. But anyway, um yeah, I guess at least these people, if they're staying all night, they're still spending some money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the jukebox is seeing a lot more action. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it normally does. Uh, the regulars are, are um, really hitting it off with Levine. So it, it's it's um, a good night, all told, for Nat. So I guess I'm happy for him. Um, Marcus, how are you feeling about everybody's... Uh, <laughs> the reversal of fortune now at this stage in the episode uh this felt like wrestlemania 10 when like owen walks out and sees brett being lifted up on his shoulders he is so jealous (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing uh uh yeah i guess you know the tips are probably flowing people are you know spending money maybe throwing money uh for the performance uh you know i i feel like anytime levin uh, comes around like she's just gonna take you know five dollars out of somebody's pocket mm, right, uh, right just talk the money right out of them so she's probably cleaning up and uh you know when when they do the big number and sing uh, it's my party i just thought back to like when i was a kid in you know the early mid 90s like that was such a 90s song when mm. they needed a throwback song i feel like i heard that a lot as a kid it's like oh yeah this is an old song Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, now so much time has passed, you know, they would pick a song from, like, the mid-90s in my mind. <laughs> right. you know, just wants to explode for that. That and, like, Splish Splash taking a bath or whatever. <laughs> Those, like, the two, <laughs> yeah. two ones you'd hear. La Bamba or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, all right. So we go to the Walsh house. And apparently it was a profitable night because Brenda is counter cash. And she broke the record for tips. Like, like she, you know, basically Brandon even says, like, Jim says it. Brandon, you never even could pull tips like this. Um, and Brenda admits once Kelly told me to stop taking all this so seriously, she thought back to a waitress they have. A, they've had a big boy before, I guess. And uh, it was on like she realized, OK, I could just do that and it would work. And Brenda says Nat may want to make, you know, and make things permanent, make make Laverne a permanent fixture at the peach pit. And Brandon kind of sounds like, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. That's it. I, you know, you, you won the job. Brenda says she's saving for something special, so she's got something in mind that she's socking away this money for. Uh, Brandon tries to sound like he cares about the acting stuff with his parents, but he's clearly hurting with everything going on. We cut over to the park where Brandon's playing some roller hockey by himself. Uh, Lydia shows up, like I guess she had promised, but he doesn't recognize her. because She has a hat and glasses on, like freaking Clark Kent or something. Like, no idea this is her. Like, um... 
I don't, I, at first, I thought he was joking, but I think he was serious. He was kind of like, oh, it's you. Like, it took him a minute to realize it because of the, the hat and glasses, I guess. But, I mean, it was, it was fairly obvious, I thought. So, Brandon gives her some shit for using him. But she says, you know, she's not that calculating. This wasn't a big plan to get Sean back or anything. It just kind of happened. And Lydia said, uh, you know, she likes Brandon. And she didn't have to act. She could just be herself. And she liked him. Sean was never really gone. And Brandon says, well, then, was I just a rebound? Rebound? And she's like, no, you were natural and you were a really good kisser. And Jake loved your dailies and your takes. And they're going to test you with a larger target audience. And they're high on you. And Lydia says, well, keep in touch because, you know, this may be something for you down the road. And Marcus, did you buy this at all? Like that after what we just saw that Jake loved the dailies or was she just being nice to him and giving him a little bit of hope? Uh, Jake might have loved the dailies when they were like making out because (laughs) he's a pervert. But uh, I can't imagine you know, there is there is anything else redeeming, especially after like how Maddie got, uh, you know, during that that last scene that Brandon shot. Um, and uh, she hit him with the old like, uh, "Don't call us, we'll call you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she should have ended it with, you know, "Don't hold your breath," because uh, there I feel like there's no chance he's getting a call back, but uh, it, it remains to be seen. That was exactly my takeaway also is it was pretty much a, a long winded way of saying, don't call us, we'll call you. Um, clearly the, the dailies could not have been all that popular because, uh, we don't see Brandon, um, recurring on this or, or any other shows, uh, for the rest of the series run. So that's that, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and I love that Brandon is like, calling Lydia out on her behavior mm-hmm. and she sort of has an answer for everything especially that whole um well you know Sean was was never really gone um well okay that makes me the rebound and she's she sort of browbeats and she's like yeah yeah maybe but um you know you're still good at what you did um doesn't change that fact however um you know, it's going to be a lot easier to get him back into mm-hmm. hers and the show's good grace if she does have a convenient rebound, right? So, right. I don't know. I, I think she's, yeah, she she's definitely being um, very disingenuous here in a way that's like, oh, don't take it personal. It's all business. Uh, so again, like, she's not a, a total asshole, but she's, I mean, she's definitely, um, at the end of the day, more of like a villain in this story than than Mm -hmm. she was let on to be. And again, I I just appreciate that fact. Uh, So yeah, wow. Humiliating uh, come down here episode for Brandon, which I think is a little bit, a little bit rare. And I'm not sure. um, He's he's about to hit even more rock bottom in a second. He's not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to lead to, um, right. Like an even bigger blow, but in any case, here we go. Well, we get a party at the Walsh house uh, to watch the big debut of Brandon, his big scene. Brandon's not there yet. It's uh, Steve, Dylan, and Andrea. And I I thought this little bit was a little forced. Like, Cindy kind of shit talks Brenda for missing Brandon's big moment. It's kind of like maybe she's too into being Laverne and is missing out on her brother's big moment. And like, but then she shows up a second later. It just felt like not necessary, like to take a shot at Brenda. Um, <laughs> like she's really not done anything wrong in this episode besides try to be helpful. So Brenda, Kelly, and Donna arrived just in time, uh, you know. And again, Cindy was quick to barrel her right there, but uh, we we get through it. So out comes Brandon's big scene, and he explains what it's going to be to everyone. And when that door opens, or and and uh, Lydia walks in, and 
Her counterpart turns around. It is no longer Brandon. It is now Sean. So tough ending to his brief career as a star. He's embarrassed in front of all his friends that Sean's back. And everyone's shocked. They're like, we thought Sean quit. Why is he there? Quick end of an era for Brandon. Uh, and, and then everyone starts to leave after the show. And they're all trying to give him little pep talks. Like Steve tries. And it might be the most genuine Steve's been since maybe the you know breakdown after the car is stolen. But He's like, listen, like this stuff happens all the time. It's happened to my mom a bunch. Like, you're going to be fine. Keep taking hacks if you want to do this. Like, you'll be good. Uh, Andrea tells him he should sue for false representation. Uh, Dylan said you lucked out. It's the worst show on TV. And Donna says, well, actually, it's in the top 10. And you get one last little flirt from Kelly. He says, maybe your scenes will get put back in next week. And they'll do a deja vu type situation. And she kind of walks off awkwardly when Brandon's like, yeah, that's not happening. So then we wrap up. Brandon's eating a celebratory cake. Uh, Brenda says she's done with sweets. You've been pushing pie all week, and and it's enough. Just doesn't want to look at cake. Brandon asks Brenda if she's holding back from blowing him up over the embarrassing showing, and she kind of trolls him a bit. She says, "Uh, you know, I think Lydia should have given you a heads up, but he he kind of comes to peace with it. He's like, what's she gonna do? Call me and tell me that they put Sean in and whatever. He's like, it it is what it is. I got hosed. It's a thing that happened. Uh, Brenda hands over Brandon the peach pit keys. And he's a little surprised, but she says, you know, I'm done. You can you can have it. He says, no, you earned the job. You keep it. Uh, Brandon says he'll find another job. And she says, I don't want it. It's hard. It's exhausting. And I have enough money uh, to do what I wanted to do. I saved up all my money for acting lessons. Uh, and he's kind of like, so you still want to do it? And she says, well, Laverne won't leave me alone. And that's kind of the end of the episode right there, which I, I thought was a fun one overall. Um I thought the Laverne stuff is pretty classic within the construct of the show. It's it's a pretty infamous stuff. Uh, I like the twist with them flopping the luck halfway through. It was light as well. Not a lot of drama, just kind of everyone having fun. Uh, it was an easy watch with some funny stuff. And it was good to see Brenda get some confidence behind her um, in exploring the acting stuff. So, Marcus, what did you think of these last few scenes with the party at the Walsh house? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Cindy, uh, you know, kind of backing the bus up on Brenda because mm. that was really unnecessary. It kind of just like shows i think that you know hey there is something to like brandon being the uh you know maybe the mm-hmm. favorite child um you're getting preferential treatment from time to time um you know sean taking his place in the scene i thought was tremendous and mm-hmm. just embarrassment you know it, i think you know since the midway point of the show we've seen brandon you know knocked down like peg by peg and it's like okay how much lower can things get for this guy and, you know, we see him, you know, finally bottom out here just as he's trying to get some confidence back. And he's got his friends and family over to, you know, watch his big uh, debut or watch his big scene. Uh, you know, the computer takes his job like, you know, he doesn't have it anymore. Uh, so I thought that was, you know, a good bottoming out for Brandon. Um, and then as we're saying goodbye to everybody, you know, you mentioned Steve giving him, you know, good sound advice. You know, hey, if this is something you want to do, you know, stick with it. This kind of stuff happens all the time. Don't take it personally. Um, and that's kind of like the third great piece of advice that Steve has had mm-hmm. for Brandon here. You know, telling him to get paid, take a story the Inquirer, and now telling him to hang in there. Um, I think Steve definitely has potential as like an agent or something in Hollywood. Well, he's grown up this way, right? I mean, his mom's yeah. been a Hollywood star like his whole life. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of has the insights and knowledge about the inner workings of the business. So he's definitely the most measured here. Yeah. It's, it's cool to, you know, just see him, you know, already like, Hey, like this is something that comes pretty natural to him. And, you know, he could probably make a, a pretty decent living for himself doing this, um, given, given his background and family dynamics. Uh, I thought it was a little weird 
uh, seeing Dylan and Brenda leave the house, um, you know, uh, you know, I felt, you know, knowing Dylan, I know he said he'd, you know, take care of Brenda, but, uh, you know, huh, couldn't help but think, you know, having to say goodbye to my sister and, uh, you know, and Dylan and probably know what's going to be going down for a few minutes. And then my sister coming back in the house. Um, I, yeah, you know, at the end of, at the end of all the scenes, you know, like everybody was, you know, kind of where they started um you know no long-term damage done i don't think um everybody kind of went back to their base where they started out yeah um I, I would agree with that it's one of those um 360 type episodes where everybody sort of well not everyone but brenda and brandon essentially go through this like character journey to end up right back where they started um hit the big reset button at the end but it's not without its merits because again we do get the the laverne debut who is going to be a recurring character of sorts i mean she's not in a she's only in a handful of episodes i make it sound like she they bring her back constantly but they really don't um but you know to see that it all starts here um, gives this episode some historical merit. Uh, and, and I like as well, the advice coming from Steve, just like you guys. Um, I think from anyone else, this would sound like, yeah, shut up, you know, empty platitudes type stuff. But, um, Steve really is coming from a genuine place of knowledge and, you know, caring, uh, that, you know, he's, he's seen and felt this humiliation, um himself so he he really knows how to talk to brandon and i don't know whether he got through to him or not but definitely coming from a good and again genuine place um i have to imagine that the uh the reveal the switcheroo um within the show of uh you know this actor sean now replacing brandon everybody thinks he's he's left the, the series uh has to be one of those like major moments within the again the show within the show it's like it's like patrick duffy coming out of the shower in dallas <laughs> yes they just bring back a character you think is gone i mean i guess they didn't kill this guy sean off but whatever um and uh you know kelly even sort of alludes to that with with her parting words or she's like yeah maybe they'll just do like a deja vu thing and just mm-hmm. make it all a dream and <laughs> put your scene back in <laughs> So I don't know. Again, I think that's the writers being a little bit playful. So I enjoyed it. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode. So why don't we go ahead and dig into our awards before we wrap things up? Uh, Best scene. I I just kind of went with all the lover and stuff. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good character. I thought it was a good twist to see Brenda, you know, piece together what Kelly's advice was and then go out there with some confidence. And like, it was a fun atmosphere. Like I definitely would have liked to be at the beach pit on that night. It's like definitely one of those stories. Like I said, you kind of talk about for years later, like that place was rocking. Like you never see that like that through the history of the show where it's jammed to the walls. People are dancing and laughing and having a good time. It's like a real hip place to be on that, that moment. Um, so I think that was that them singing, it's my party would probably be my number one, but I, I thought all of Liver and were really kind of the best stuff of the show. What do you think, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, if not for the Laverne stuff, I felt like what led to us getting Laverne uh, with Brenda's troubles the first night working in the Peach Pit. Um, that you know, I thought that was just tremendous, uh, especially with the buildup of the soup and the water and all that catastrophe. But uh, yeah, what got us to Laverne? Um, 
and actually seeing Laverne and, you know, the, the dance number and everything, uh, definitely best scene for me. Am I, am I allowed to say, um, Dylan massaging Brandon's shoulder as they're anticipating Brandon's <laughs> big debut on the series? Um, I guess it's not much of a scene. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to save maybe Laverne for something else and say that, uh, the best scene, I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to sort of back up Marcus and say uh, Brenda being a, a very bad server at, at first and dousing the guy in French onion soup or whatever it was, just because <laughs> it popped me a lot. Yeah, that was good, too, with the payoff on that. That was a good one. Okay. I guess, yeah, that might be my backup option. All right, most important scene, I I, I don't know. Again, this was a tough one because it wasn't anything super important yeah. to the future of the show. I would just went with Brenda getting her groove back, which I think was kind of a needed. She's had a lot of these ups and downs with her confidence, but her, like, tapping into that, the voices and Laverne, you kind of saw, like, a spark at her that's going to set off her future, you know, goals and ambitions. So, to me, that was probably the most important piece of it. It was, like, her figuring out kind of what she wants to do. Yeah, yeah, I'll back you up. That's where I actually had the Laverne stuff was just seeing the the switch sort of flip in Brenda's mind and that Laverne appearance or she kind of walks on and I'm even folding like the whole uh, peach pit wide performance and mm -hmm. karaoke dance off <laughs> into all of that just because we are going to see more of that in the future. So Therefore, it feels somewhat important in this episode that otherwise is not tremendously important. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys 100%. Okay, but, uh, most 90s look, <laughs> look, there's always loaded with them. Uh, you could go with the green shirt, but I, I just want Brandon's uh, costume in that first scene when he's the extra <laughs> with the, the Zubis pants and the button down and the hat and all that stuff. Um. I want to say the green shirt, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with um, uh, branded roller rollerblading in the opening scene. Yeah, I'm with Tim. I thought Brandon rollerblading was the most 90s uh, outfit and, and scene. So I'm with that for most 90s moment, the rollerblading okay. in the park. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a great 90s moment. Um Yeah, I guess actually I'll do I'll switch those and say the rollerblading is is more of a '90s moment, and the look mm -hmm. or, or the way that they dress Brandon is is more of a fashion. Yep, right. I will. Um, I'll come to a consensus with you, JT. Did you have a separate uh, moment, most '90s moment, Marcus? Uh, I thought the dance number uh, mm. to "It's My Party" just just because that is such a like, I guess mm -hmm. an iconic throwback song of the 90s throwing it back to the 60s right all right best lesson learned uh i went with waitress and ain't easy it was this is uh yeah. on display just yeah. it's not an easy uh, job to walk into and be a star overnight that is a good one um that i think a lot of people take for granted um <laughs> I don't know. It sort of seems like don't trust an actor. Like <laughs> people, people in Hollywood are, are very fake. Um, don't set your hopes too high. I don't know. There's some sort of mixed 
messages in this episode, I felt like. Um, not not one that's got a clear and straightforward uh, message, which I like about this show. Uh, I think for me it was as quickly as something good can happen, you know, just that quickly can be taken away as well. Like Brandon got the the look, you know, very quickly uh, and fell into like this dream role kind of on this TV show. But, you know, the snap of a finger, you know, Sean's back. Uh, he loses his girl. Uh, the director's getting on him. You know, his sister's outperforming him at his job. Like, I mean, that all happened in the course of a night pretty much. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think just be cautious of things that, you know, good things that can happen quickly, you know, can also be taken away quickly. All right, best hookup. It was really only one of Brandon and Lydia, obviously, with all the making out. Mm, yeah. Uh, Nat and Laverne. No, um, <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> Laverne and the soup guy. Um, yeah, I guess Brandon and Lydia. <laughs> He's just ruling. What's wrong with that dude? Oh man, yeah. He was like a child. I said the episode should have ended with that guy got arrested. Probably. <laughs> they just haul him out of the beach. <laughs> oh man, I picture him like laying under a glass coffee table with like soup being spilled out. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to best quotes. Um, I got a few here. Uh, they won't attack, will they? That was Brandon, then Dylan answers with only if they smell fear. That's when the girls are kind of swarming them in the hallway. Uh, they have a teacher on set. She's writing a spec script for Twin Peaks. I don't know why I really like that line from Brandon. Uh, why? So you can go out networking with the Brat Pack. That was Brenda. And, of course, probably the most infamous line is, Hey, Cheese Meister, stay away from my girl. That we hear like <laughs> nine times from Sean. Jeez. Cheesemeister definitely sounds like one of the insults like on the Mighty Ducks that they said about one of the other characters. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, Cheese Meister. That was mine also. Hey, Cheese Meister. <laughs> and I had no, no others, really. <laughs> that that just took the cake for me. Uh, for me, it was when uh, Brenda and Brandon are kind of having their argument midway through the show, and she's confronting him about him changing. And uh, he goes, maybe it's for the better. And he puts on the sunglasses yep. and yep. walks away. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's good. That's you know what that's a that's a good one for '90s moment too. The, mm-hmm. Putting on sunglasses dismissively towards someone and walking out. <laughs> okay, final grades. Uh, I had this about on par with our last episode, Tim. Um, yeah, the grandparent stuff was all great, but I, I liked the Laverne stuff. Like, but both were, were kind of low stakes character episodes where you're just kind of developing some character stuff. I guess the last one maybe had a little bit more story importance with the you know, Dylan and Brenda fracturing, but I thought this was equally as important to show Brenda's growing on her own as well, has her own aspirations and goals and is going to start working toward them. So I enjoyed it equally. I went seven out of 10, just like I did last episode. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I was super high on our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think of, of some of our better episodes of this series, which I kind of consider a last episode in Palm Springs, one of them, of course, the um, I mean, the legendary Jackie Taylor one, uh, the Brenda and Dylan hooking up eight slash AIDS episode. Um, what the, the of course, the DUI that I'll never forget. Like th- those were like in the eight, nine territory for me. Mm-hmm. So 
seven feels awfully close to that for this one. So I'm going to back off to like, a. I mean, I still enjoyed it for what it was. It's just more, more of a piece with like our, that, that lane of season one, that's very, as you said, low stakes, um, doesn't really advance anything. And we're not going to have many, if any callbacks to going forward. So on that level, it's, it's like, um, pretty strong, but still has a ceiling. So it's a long winded way of saying, I'm going to give it a five. I I thought for being a low stakes episode, um, it was really good. Like I didn't feel like anything really missed at all. So, uh, I guess considering last time I was on, uh, Cindy was having an affair. Jim was going to beat up the dude. Emotional. <laughs> uh, they made out too. Uh, yeah, the, the the twins are uh, you know getting ready to be at each other's throats, and and Brandon's at an all time low until this episode. Um, not as juicy or scandalous, but a really solid episode, even if it is self contained. Um, I will trend high, and I'll go seven. Okay. All right. Let's talk some trackers here. Our character debuts. We had Jake, the director, Lydia Leeds, Mackenzie, Lavoine, and Sean Judson. Anyone else jump out of you guys that I missed? So to be clear, we're going to treat Lavoine as a uh, Yeah, I think it's, it's a strong enough thing so. to be a character. I think we, so. we really should track her appearances. I agree. Yeah. Um, uh, the green shirt uh, <laughs> is... I'll put that as a thing um, on the places yeah. and things. We'll, we'll add that. Brandon's green shirt. Um, our relationships, we had Brandon and Lydia, and I did put Laverne and Nat uh, as a relationship here. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't it has to be sexual in this column, so it's okay. We can add that I there. Suppose. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then for places and things, I put the keep it together set and then Brandon's green shirt. <laughs> so, okay. okay. All right, let's do our uh, songs here that were heard in the episode. When we're in the studio and Brandon and Lydia pull up in the limousine was Hooray for Hollywood, the Boston Pops Orchestra, which I do think we hear, actually, as well. Um, at the Peach Pit, when Brandon's struggling to work, is Sally Go Round the Roses by the Jaynettes. When Laverne enters for the first time, it's Finger Poppin' Time by Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. Oh boy. I'm going to leave that one alone when you think of Soup Guy and the name of that song. And then, uh, of course, infamously, the song that is left in, It's My Party by Leslie Gore, uh, played during the big lip sync scene more like butterfingers time <laughs> see i cleaned that up i kept that real clean good job that all right character ranking uh jackie is the only one that wasn't in this episode actually so she's at the bottom of zero mm. uh, i think it's safe to say and you let me know if i'm wrong that brenda's our number one um yes uh, and brandon's yeah, our number two to brendan uh-huh uh-huh one and two um, so am I insane? <laughs> yeah. And, and Marcus, please weigh in and, and tell us, uh, tell me, am I insane for having Nat as my number yep, three? He's my next one. <laughs> <Okay. Marcus. laughs> All right. Way to go, Nat. You go down um, seven and third. Oh, it's fine with me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was the most active besides them really in the whole episode. So um all right then all right so it gets dicey after that i think i think i would have steve next because he kind of had the best Mm. information the best tips like he was i i guess him and kelly to me are kind of the next two 
pound for pound, yes, I, I definitely had um, Kelly and Kelly kind of high. Also, like pound mm-hmm. for pound, I thought they made the most of their pretty limited scenes. So right. I, yeah, I'd go Steve Kelly. That makes sense. Okay, then it's either to me Dylan or Jim would be the next two. I think I'd have Jim higher because he kind of had more scenes in here and he pushed the story mm-hmm. along. He did, yes, and I mean. Jim and Cindy have get kind of equal time in this one, although Cindy came off as kind of a dingbat in most right. of her scenes. So Jim kind of drove forward stuff more. I think and I would have Dylan and then Cindy if I had to rank them. I I, I like that, just using Dylan as a buffer between mm-hmm. the two. Um, yeah. I mean, Jim did very Jim things in this episode, right. which were kind of marks for, I feel like. So, all right. Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. All right, so that leaves us with David, Donna, Andrea, and Scott. Mm. I put Scott last, I think, of those four, even though he had yeah. one little line. Donna is a bit more of a pro- I mean, she joins the girls in the little right. sing-off. Um, she has a few lines. Yeah, so I think I'd put her above David. Donna above David. And yeah, above- I mean, he's- Andrea, too, right? I mean, she does perform. Right. I think I'd have Andrea. I think I'd go Donna, David, Andrea. Yeah, pro- yeah. I, I don't have a problem. I mean, it's look, Donna needs the help, so right, yes. okay. let's, let's just give her the uh, Willa um, curve her test, so to speak, a little bit. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and calculate, uh, tabulate the overall rankings, Tim. Why don't you tell us what else we got going on at the North-South Connection? Uh, Yeah, we got a lot of great content here on the North-South Connection. So, you know, please subscribe today if you are listening to and enjoying this podcast known as 90210, of course. Uh, If you're not subscribed and you're liking the show, why not? Because this comes out, you know, about bi-weekly or, you know, every third week sometimes, depending on <laughs> how we're feeling. But um, we're enjoying putting this show together, and we're enjoying all the great feedback we're getting as well. Um, in addition to this, you can find uh, a lot of wrestling, professional wrestling-related content. If you hadn't gathered from some of the references we might have made on this episode, um, we are wrestling fans, and, you know, we don't forget where our bread is buttered. So, um Take a more of an interesting and perhaps original slant on um, wrestling podcasting. So a lot of um, more analytical content. Uh, So, you know, a lot of lists, a lot of ranking type projects, um, things you just don't find in your other uh, wrestling related media and podcasts. So if uh, if you're a wrestling fan, but you're, you're jonesing for more of a unique take on wrestling coverage again, You'll find that right here on North South Connection. Um, in fact, JT and Marcus can tell you more specifically about some of the great shows you can get into um, here on NOSO that are wrestling related. Uh, this is, of course, part of the quad of pods, as we refer to it, associated with Place to Be Nation. Uh, so we also have the original Place to Be Nation wrestling so again more wrestling stuff for your listening pleasure it's a dynasty at this point place to be nation wrestling been around going on gosh over 10 years now um so just 
a, a slew of great shows that you can find that have been around for for years and years. Um, we also have the spinoff Place We Nation Pop, the Place We Nation Pop Experience, where you'll find just uh, more pop culture related uh, coverage. So things like, for example, Pop Goes to the Couch, which you will find me on with a panel of hosts. We're doing uh, coverage of the Disney Plus series Book of Boba Fett, which is going to be wrapping up here shortly. We will have dropped our uh, review of that finale by the time you are hearing this. Very exciting. And pulling double duty, uh, talking some Peacemaker as well. The worldwide sensation from mm-hmm. HBO Max, even though apparently you can't actually watch that show around the world. But so be it. Uh, I believe that will be done as well by the time you're hearing this. If not, then very, very close to the end there. Wish we had more episodes of that show, uh, Peacemaker. So very good. Um, and finally, subscribe to the Jenny position curated, put together by our dear friend Jennifer Smith, past guest of this very show you've heard her twice already mm-hmm. uh we're again just more pop culture related um podcasts and, and with great guests some of whom you've you've heard on this show i'm a part of uh, the jenny position as well um she does horror uh, comedy entertainment streaming live watches you name it um jenny's pretty much got it covered um, and you can find me on social media. I am at Psych68CYKE68. If you just want to talk some 90210 or you're, you're interested in being a guest, we certainly need guests as many episodes as, of this series as we've gotten, we've got to cover. Um, even if you don't like the show, we, we'd love to talk to somebody who is not necessarily a fan of the series just to get a different perspective. I think that'd be kind of fun. But, um, Anyway, it's um, a, a lot of ways to connect, get in touch, and uh, enjoy all of the uh, bevy of, cont- of podcasting and content we put together across the quad of pods. So, JT, where does that leave our global rankings now? Got some shakeups, guys. <clears throat> it's uh, tumultuous here, and things are tightening near the top. So, in last place, as usual, Jackie Taylor with 13 points. Napasuccio with a nice little bump up to 35 based on his performance tonight. Okay. Donna Martin comfortably in third with 49. Scott Scanlon at 58. Andrea Zuckerman kind of straddling this, uh, in between these two tiers. She's at 87. So, she's mm-hmm. really quite ahead of the back of the pack, but not really in shouting distance at the top end. Uh, David Silver's above her with 102. Then we have a very... Um, Ironic pairing here with Jim Walsh with 111 and Dylan Bacay with 113. So they're on the heels of each other. Kelly Taylor at 119 and Cindy Walsh at 120. So those four really kind of bunched up and uh, within shouting difference of each other. Then we got Steve Sanders at third with 127. So he's kind of leading that second tier by a decent chunk. And then we have our top two, which is now a tie between Brandon and Brenda Walsh with 175 points apiece. So we'll see how that continues to play out throughout season one. But this first place for Brenda and second for Brandon flipped them and uh, put them tied. Brandon was ahead by one coming into this week. So twin magic. Look at that. There you go. All right, Marcus, anything that you want to mention before we wrap up? Uh, 
just plug our podcast real quick that we do on the north south connection uh wb war um really enjoy doing that with you uh that comes out every other friday uh so looking forward to the next episode dropping in here and uh feedback from that all right very good till then everyone take care we'll talk to you in a few weeks with our next episode have a little dim sum a little dim sum take care Just walk through the door